You are listening to Subtle Disruptors Melbourne. This is the first series of the podcast, Subtle Disruptors, telling the stories of those who are quietly having an amazing positive impact on their city and the world. Giving someone the ability to go second is like a huge thing. Like giving someone that comfortability where you go first and be vulnerable, you go first and do that thing. And then they now feel safe, safer because you've already gone first. When I first met Kyle, he gave me one of the best hugs I can remember. Open, warm, and all-encompassing, I was girt by Kyle. For an Aussie guy that studied engineering, he's a six-foot-three bodybuilder, and who runs boot camps, Kyle is not the person, nor has he followed the path, that you might automatically assume. From his hobbies of blogs, bodybuilding, and boot camps, Kyle found a way to turn a mashup of tech, fitness, and community into a viable business. Now starting on a new quest to help men open up with themselves and each other, Kyle continues to follow his curiosity and gently experiment with new, life-bringing ideas. I'm Adam Murray, and thanks for joining me as I talk with Kyle Wood about the subtle disruption of an atypical Aussie guy. Where have you chosen today for us to have this chat? Where are we? Uh, we are sitting on Bluestone at the moment in Fairfield Park in Fairfield, Victoria. Uh, it's just near the boathouse, which a lot of people know about, because um, you can rent the little boats and go out on the river. There's also a canoe club here, so there's always kayakers carrying their canoes, or canoers, I guess, carrying their canoes up and down the steps here. And it's, uh, it's like 111 steps, <laughs> those steps there, so you also see people down here training quite a bit. Yeah. And that's what brought me here, was that uh, I ran a boot camp on this park for four yeah, it was just on four years, and this was one of my campus' favourite spots to go during summer, when it was during those lighter months. Yeah. Just a bit different than, because when you're doing boot camps, everything's pretty much like flat. I mean, you do some hill stuff, but mostly it's just like flat grass, whereas here it's quite dynamic, you know, you've got steps, yeah. which you can, which add like another 50 exercises, you know, you can do, and uh, we used to do a lot of sort of like team team stuff where they have to like work together to get accomplish some sort of goal either like complete a list of exercises or complete a certain number of rounds or something or um, yeah some of my best workouts <laughs> around were here I reckon and it just made it a bit harder because you know you're doing everything like kind of up up and down up and down up and down it's just it's not a movement we do very often in like day to day life yeah um, thanks to elevators <laughs> Escalators, cars, <laughs> and cars. Uh-huh. Don't have to walk up hills anymore. Um, so yeah, boot camps. So, how did you actually get into running boot camps? Uh, how far back do you want to go? Well, I think. Well, yeah. Well, what was the? I mean, what was the thing? Because we were you doing that as a full-time gig. Was that your full-time job? Yeah, you're yeah. doing it here. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What? What was that moment when you said, I want to do boot camps, and why did you go down that path? Uh, it was pretty soon after I, I got my qualification as a personal trainer. Um, so I did that. I was actually working in engineering at that time, doing like industry-based learning. So I wasn't a qualified engineer, but I was studying to be one. Um, and I actually found, you know, working 40 hours a week while I was tedious, it, it wasn't enough. Like, it wasn't enough to keep me, like, excited and interested. And I needed, like, another project or something going on in my life. So that's why I started doing 
personal, I'd wanted to do a personal trainer course. Uh, but back then I was really into bodybuilding and I thought, I'm going to do this course and then I'm going to train people one-on-one. Like, I didn't like boot camps or group fitness or anything like that. I mean, I was yeah. the kind of guy who trained either with a friend or by myself in the gym. And, and uh, yeah, it, was, <laughs> it did not appeal to me at all. Um, and I didn't really even understand why people did it. Because I was like, you can just read this stuff on the internet and then, and then like, go do it. Um, which is what I was doing. Uh, but that's, I guess, just my personality. Um, so... It was while I was doing the course that um, I saw how group fitness could really leverage my time for the amount of people I could get in front of. Mm. Uh, like if I was going to do personal training full time, I was going to probably have to run like 30 sessions a week, which you know is spread out over 12 hour days. You know, between like by the time you from your first client to your last client, you'll have gaps in there. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of that PT stuff was also in gyms. So uh, the way a lot of the big, big box gyms are set up is as a trainer, you pay them a weekly rent. Uh, in a lot of cases, you're, that weekly rent is probably four or five PT sessions a week you're doing before you're even making any money. Hmm. Uh, and I had, I had a trainer tell me recently that um, one of the gyms actually sells this special pack now for new um, new gym members where they can get like three PT sessions for a cheap price. Now it's a really cheap price so the gym keeps that money. The trainers are expected to do three sessions for free and they're paying rent. <laughs> and then like it's up to them to convert them into paying clients afterwards. But what happens is that I mean the type of person who goes to a gym and and wants they're looking for like the lowest end fitness. Like they're looking they're either very self-motivated or they like the classes. But, um, you know, they want to pay less than $100 a month mm. for their fitness. Like, that's just, that's the type of personality. So trying to convert that person who's shopping at the low end of the spectrum of any product, it's kind of like, um, it'd be kind of like someone uh, shopping for like, you know, looking at like a Mazda 2 and then trying to upsell them to one of those like Mercedes-Benz full drives <laughs> that costs like 130 Like, they're not interested in that market. It's a, yeah. And it's the same thing. Yeah. Uh, so realizing that and realizing that I was probably going to be like working a lot and get, that would be a quick way to get burnt out. And when I was starting training, it was part time. So I, I really wanted to leverage my time for money. And that's when I was like, hang on, if I can do run a couple of boot camps in a park a week, and even if I'm just charging $10, but I can get 10 people to come to each one of those sessions, that's $200 a week, which in a part time job would take me like six or seven you know, hours probably to make yeah. at that point, at that when I was at that age as well. So that, they, yeah, it was actually like, financial was a big reason I got into it. And, uh, but then I just fell in love with the whole format and like getting people together and exercising together. And I could see um, something different. And I could see I could offer something different to what, because there's group fitness in classes where you think of like the pump classes or like where the instructor's in the front. But I wasn't running my boot camps like that. It was like, yeah, we were, I was saying to you before, we're working together towards some sort of goal or, um, you know, I was like getting in there with them to help them train and, and I, it let me actually train people rather than just sort of having them copy me. Yeah. Mm. So it was very much, like you felt like you were building a bit of a tribe or a bit of community when yeah. you were doing that as well. 
Yeah. Well, not not at first. <laughs> so the first the first boot camp group fitness class I got, I it started off that way, uh, and then Christmas New Year's hit, which is always a quiet time in Australia. Like people go away. Yeah. Uh, a lot of workplaces shut down. Everyone drinks. Like and everyone eats gets to meditate. Yes, yeah, exactly. Because I'm not really interested in. They got family in town or something, so like kids are off school, and uh, it, it just destroyed my business. Like I couldn't get people back. I hadn't built enough of that community before that Christmas New Year's. I hadn't. Um, in some ways, I was like too scared to build. I didn't. Still didn't understand at that point how important, how much of an important part of the business that was that community aspect I just kind of thought I thought people were coming for the group fitness and with group fitness people keep people coming for the group fitness is just like one small reason but the reason or maybe that's the reason they come in the first place but the reason they stay is because of the community yeah it's because of the other people that are there uh, like that's that's why people stay long term yeah and so what did you do after Christmas? How did you start to change things? Uh, I kept it going for a while. I sh had to shut down one of the classes. And, I, and then I just had like two girls coming on a Wednesday night. And I remember they were, they were really good. Like they, they knew each other, so they would like keep each other accountable, I guess. And uh, I eventually just um, said to them, I'm really sorry, guys, but <laughs> like I can't keep doing this for two people. Yeah. And uh, I started working at... Um, a personal training studio so not a gym but like just where there was private clients and they ran some group stuff there and that really taught me a lot about community even in the community there between the trainers like suddenly instead of being out there by myself I had like other trainers there who I could ask advice from or I have like a difficult client and I could be like oh I got this person and I don't really know what to do and a lot of the trainers there were more experienced I mean, than me, so they were able to be like, oh, you know, they'd be like, oh, yeah, I've totally had a client like that before, and then they could, they could share that with me. Yeah. Because uh, I'd worked at a gym as well. I'd worked at a gym while I was doing my outdoor classes, and it was not that at all, because it was very competitive, because everyone's trying to <laughs> get the same client pool. Uh, whereas the studio was more like you were assigned mm. the people, so there wasn't that. We were working together to grow, to help the business flourish. Um, rather than sort of working against each other to get as many of these clients from this like limited pool of clientele. Yeah. Very different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, so I know now, like leapfrogging a little bit ahead, I know you've got, you know, a really large following of trainers. Mm. Um, and you've got a, um, a website and you've got a, um, a community where trainers can come and learn about how to run good boot camps. How, I don't know what happened or how that actually happened. Like we, you went from where you were at the studio to yeah. where you are today with this, yeah, with this website. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was like kind of with the group training how, um, I'm very much a learn by doing type person, which is why it took that sort of like sign into the industry to be like, oh, one-on-one -on -one training is not for me. Uh, same thing. So I was looking for, um, I was looking for other workouts for my, like once I started running workouts, oh, I've skipped a bit. So, so I, I wanted to run boot camps again. So I approached the owner of the studio I was working at and I was like, can we start a boot camp together? 
which was great because I could kind of leverage her brand and clientele uh, to help get that sort of starting numbers I need, which is often like a, a thing trainers have a lot of trouble with. But then when I was running uh, about five sessions a week at the time, um, I started running out of ideas. And because of my limited knowledge, I was applying a lot of personal training stuff to the group fitness scene. And I was noticing it wasn't working as well because maybe the exercises were too complicated. You don't have time to like, with one person or two people, you can like sit there and like really train them how to move properly. And in a group fitness setting, uh, you need to keep the exercise kind of simple so that people can pick them up easily and that you can coach them because you don't, you might not have time to go to like each person and correct their yeah. technique. Yeah. So I was looking for like help with that. <laughs> and a lot of the stuff out there was uh, the sort of trainer experts out there were doing similar thing to what I was doing. They were taking personal training stuff and they were applying it to group fitness. And when I took those lessons and applied them to my group fitness, they, they weren't holding up, they weren't working. And so I, and I, maybe the big difference there was that those trainers their group fitness clients were personal training clients. So they were seeing all these people individually and then they were running group fitness as a way to like mm. add on. But what I found with boot camp is that that was like people's ex like one exercise. Really like that's, yeah. that's why they like sign up, they'd pay that monthly fee and that was like took care of their exercise for them. So I really needed to be out. Like that was the only time I was seeing them was in that group setting. Uh, so yeah, after looking and not finding much online, uh, I during my year of working in engineering, I had also been tinkering around with websites and blogging and, and like um, learning how kind of websites make money. Cause I was a really, this was 2010, which people had already been doing it for some years now, making money online, but they, the whole, it was still very new and people didn't really understand. And even when I created the website and started putting time into it, uh, a lot of friends were like, this is just like a fad or like this, you know, I'd, they'd be like, how much money does it make? And like, it doesn't make any money. And they'd be like, the stupid, uh, not understanding at that point, like the, the, um, yeah, the value that communities have. So yeah, so I started sharing, not being able to find any workouts that were similar to what I like doing. I was like, well, I'll start sharing my workouts online. And maybe there's other trainers out there who are also looking for this, who, are also looking for those sort of workout ideas. Um, and so that, and then I would sort of share some and then I would not, and then I would kind of share, like I was really inconsistent at the yeah. start, or then I'd put like three up there and then I wouldn't do anything for two months and then I'd put like another one. And then I think it was probably 2011, I was like, let's give this a real go and let's just try and like post one thing a week. And that like just one week, new workout every week. And that's what I did for that year. I hope I'm getting the years right. I think it's 2011. And that was that was when things actually started. That's when people were like were coming, they were finding the website, they saw that I was updating it regularly, so that was signing up. And um, the community aspect was still pretty small then. Like the interaction was still very one way. It was like top down, so it was me feeding them information. Um, yeah, but that, that was really what started growing it to a point where I could start thinking about launching products or promoting other products that I liked. Uh, and I, yeah, I think it was like pretty much right on the two year mark when the, 
the site first made like money for me to be able to go oh this is actually this has been worth it for the last two years and yeah um and i can you know keep running this as like a side business this is a great way for me to subsidize my training like mm-hmm. face-to-face training yeah mm. i like how like it's it's pretty um good to hear that that was you know, it was at least a two-year journey to yeah. build that up from, you know, nothing yeah. to learning how to, you know, post regularly. And then after two years, building up the sufficient, I guess, trust and um, content and community that yeah, people were willing to then pay yeah. for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess there would have been a lot of doubts in your mind over that two-year period of time as yeah. well about what you were doing. Uh-huh. I think, that, I think that's what worked so well about it, just posting weekly though, because it wasn't a huge time commitment. Yeah. And I would often do it like, you know, while I was like watching TV or something like that. So I'd be watching something with Zoe and we would, and I would be sort of tinkering away. And maybe I'd even like batch a few, I'd do like the next three weeks and sort of one go. Yeah. And because it was such a small time commitment, it, there was, I mean, the risk was nothing. I was, you know, mm. you pay $10 a year for a domain name and like, what is it like? it's like six dollars a month you know for hosting like just cheap hosting so the financial risk was very low as well and um but i yeah i could see that people were were interested in it. and occasionally i'd post like a really good workout and i get a few emails back and um at some point we created a facebook group as well and that was when the community aspect of it really took off yeah. because that was now trainers had a way to, who were following me had a way to interact with each other and not just with through me mm. before yep. that like someone would have to email me a question and then maybe I'd post it on the blog and get people to reply and not many people would reply and then I'd feel bad because first I haven't got many answers and yeah. <laughs> but then in like Facebook you know it's designed for interaction like you know you, you can like like things and, and you know you don't even have to comment you just like things you're already logged in. You're probably bored when you're on Facebook, so you're like willing to. Yeah. Uh, where you use when you're on a website for bootcamp ideas and you're like looking to get ideas, you're not really like looking to engage with the community. You're just looking to get training ideas so you can then go finish planning your workouts and go run your workouts. Yeah. Um, there's a word that you've mentioned a few times, which is tinkering, which I really like, <laughs> and um, and I'm I'm reading a book called um, called Anti Fragile. Uh-huh. Um, and he he talks a lot about actually the principles that you've talked about today actually like uh, tinkering away and putting small you know where you've got a low risk there's a very low financial risk a very low time risk but a large upside yeah. if it if it does actually you know kick in mm-hmm. for example so low downside large upside but you know that kind of tinkering um, mentality like where did that or how do you tinker and where did that love of tinkering come from for you I guess, you know, I mean, I studied engineering, so I, yeah. I liked deconstructing things. Uh, I like, you know, I very much like like maths and science and, and understanding how things work. But I also am very impatient. And as I say that, I'm like, what was the one thing I used to be really patient at? Now, it was actually bodybuilding, because it's like a slow process. And I was 18, 19 when I was doing it, and I'm six foot three. So like putting muscle in my frame is really freaking hard. Yeah. And one of the things was, you know, like with like the good, I mean, the muscle magazines weren't teachers, but one of the things that was like the really good um, sort of leaders in that community would teach you was like, 
it just takes consistency. It takes like going into the gym four times a week, like eating the food, like eating the food you need to eat. And, and just like, if you just do that, stop worrying about like the latest fad, the latest workout, anything like that. If you just do that, you'll start seeing results. And the periods of times when I would see the most results around that would be when I, yeah, when I would just like let go of um, all, the, all the stuff like jumping out, the new workout or the, the new way of eating or the new supplement and just like stick to those basics and apply that over time. Yeah. And in the, it's very, it's different now I think with a lot of, when I was learning websites as well as the same thing, it was like, um, we were, I was learning a lot of SEO stuff, so search engine optimization. And one of the big factors, and I don't know if it's still is one of the big factors Google used to look for back then was site age and is it regularly updated? Mm. So like they were like these two things where they're like, the, the older your site is, the more Google trusts it. Um, and if it's being consistently updated, then they also trust it because it's like you're obviously putting your information on there and um, that's the kind of stuff they want people to find because that's going to have the latest, you know, they don't want to serve you up some site from like 10 years ago yeah. that it's like outdated and looks crap and isn't mobile friendly and all that kind of stuff. They want you with like the latest site that, that tells you um, what's the latest opinion or facts or knowledge about this topic. Yeah. So yeah, that was, that was another aspect with that was this and then the community I built was just like this by, byproduct that I didn't even it was the same thing with like the boot camps like I didn't even realize how important that aspect of <laughs> yeah. it was as well yeah um, there's a quote that I heard recently it goes something like uh, people usually overestimate what they can do in the short term and underestimate mm -hmm. what they can do in mm -hmm. the long term and it's sort of it's along the lines of what you're saying there about being consistent, doing the thing regularly. Yeah. Having a longer time frame in mind. And I, I've like totally forgotten that in recent years. Like as, as it's gotten bigger, I felt like I've needed to make more products, do more things, work harder on it. Um, like I felt more pressure to move away from, away from that just like slow progress and it's just recently, like over the last two months that I've sort of been getting back in touch with that again, which maybe I'm like talking from that perspective of what if I just take my time, make something that's like really good. Like if I know that people want, you know, once you've tested that this is the thing people want, yeah. um, which, which you can do quite fast, like you can release a lot of things to test a lot of, like that's good, like fail, you know, it was a word fail in fast. Way, it's like fail fast. Yeah. Um, yeah, but now it's like I found something and, I was still in that mode of, oh, I got to still, okay, that worked, but I'm still going to like go create the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And it's very much that culture in, um, in the, the tech world at the moment, which is, you know, you read about these guys who are, who are like launching their thing and, and making like, you know, 150 grand or I mean, even like guys who have big followings making like a couple million off, a, off one product and me just being, I mean, I just got completely caught up in that. And yeah. completely caught up in like I just got to find that fit and I'll finally create that one product that'll just like explode and my readers will love it and they'll like all buy it um, and yeah it's a really dangerous path to go down really dangerous yeah dangerous in what way? because um, I think a lot of the times when we hear those stories we're not hearing the whole story we're not hearing about the 10 years of research this person's done on this topic 
beforehand mm. where they which they are actually like a full-on expert in this and that's why people are willing to pay them um, yeah we don't we don't hear we just hear about the overnight success bit we don't hear about about the rest of it yeah um, or maybe we don't see like we just see the financial reward they get but what did they have to blow up their life to, to do that you know did they um, what's their relationship with with their spouse like with their family uh, do they get to see their friends mm. or are they like a complete introvert so maybe spending 15 hours in front of a computer a day is ideal to them yeah. and recognizing that that's not that's not like that's not good for me it's not healthy for me I really need to find that balance I need to find I need to have time for other projects in my life that are not my business mm. that feed my creativity and my soul in a different way yeah. Well, maybe they were just lucky as well. Yeah, you know? yeah. And then, they, of course, yeah. So that's the other danger. I mean, it's like the startup world. You know, you look at, um, like, what Instagram exploded. But apparently there was, like, 50 other, like, photo sharing apps out at the time. I mean, there was, like, Flickr, which has been around for, like, freaking years. Yeah. But that didn't, you know, explode in the same way that Instagram did. And so, yeah, sometimes it just takes a couple of um, key users who have big followings uh, to get on board a new system like that yeah and yeah you, you really have to think about what's actually works for you and your industry and um, and what do, what do you actually want to do like do, do I really want do I really want that mm. do I want to create something that I'm, I'm proud of because it's then enjoyable as well or do I just want to create this widget that makes a lot of money that I'm not really that interested in yeah. So, you know, you're kind of alluding to that for you, um, just putting all your time into into this and into what you're working on at the moment, which mm-hmm. is around, um, what's it called? The uh, bootcraft. Bootcraft and, is where I'm spending most of my time. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that. But, uh, you know, what you seem to be saying is that, you know, putting all your time into that and creating this one, you know, mega thing that explodes is, and blowing up your life in the process yeah, is yeah. not really the right fit for you. It's not you sustainable. Know. What, I mean, what other things are there in your life then that you have found that you need outside of that? Well, obviously I still exercise again. Uh, I, I mean, again, a lot. Uh, it's funny after you've just been a trainer and working in gym for the gym for so years, you you like can't not exercise. It's just such like a rigid part of my life that even you know when we were traveling, even when we travel, if if I go like four weeks, we'll go travel and go four weeks with only doing hiking. You know, I just I notice that I just feel like I just feel so different and yeah. from not having exercised. Um, so making sure that I'm, I'm doing that and like I'm taking care of that aspect of me. Uh, having time for friends and family and having time for... I love spontaneity. I really crave it. I think that's why a traditional job never worked for me because going in and like doing the same thing every day or similar things and solving the same problems over and over again was just, just soul crushing for me. And I especially love with friends, like even with you, you know, like, hey, what are you doing today? Let's go get a coffee. And just, just being able to go do that um, and, and, you know, have a great conversation with you or like 
So listening to those needs at that time, you know, I feel like I need to connect with someone, so I want to go. So being out to do that, like have a life which I can, I can do that. Yeah. And people in my life who can also do that is really important to me. Uh, having time to spend with my wife. I mean, we lived uh, in separate countries for 18 months, and that's a good way to realize just how much you. Like how much, how much that time is important to me. So being out and, and quality time. So not, I mean, we like watching uh, TV shows and stuff, but we're not really talking while we're doing that. So making sure there's enough time so that we can actually spend time together. Yeah. Talking and and catching up. Um, what other? Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty simple though with my life. I like to be able to to go down to the beach as well. So I know something's wrong if the idea of like going away for the weekend is really causing me a lot of anxiety because that um, usually is like quite a relaxing thing for me so that's usually means that I'm probably filling my plate a bit full mm. yeah and and I do suffer from anxiety like um, not as severe as some fr- some friends but um, and then depression as well so when I don't take care of myself when I just go 110% hard um, I go until I, I fall apart and I, then I literally can't do anything or yeah. have no desire to do anything so like yeah really um, it's really important to me to, to make sure that I'm filling all those buckets in my life yeah mm-hmm. and that you know and have I have not <laughs> so more recently uh getting in my project of um, Hartman and mm. my own podcast I Love You Man so like doing something like that which it's not um, tr- financially transactional it's it's like energy transactional so working on something that as I put energy into it I get energy back out of it which is, an, which is a kind of a weird and different concept whereas traditionally it's like I put energy into it I extract finances from mm. it um Obviously, like, I, I had a very good relationship with my... Like I say that, it's like, I'm still friends with all of my clients I trained for years. Like, you know, so it wasn't completely... <laughs> but, but you know, you're, when you're doing... When you're running, like, a website that serves a community or when you're, um, you're training people, you know, you're there for them. Um, you're not... You're, you're not there primarily for yourself, like, the active. So that can be... Um, it can be exhausting after a time. Yeah. So doing something which it's like, hey, I'm going to go do this project, and when it when I finish a day working on this project, I'm going to be even like more fired up about it at the end of the day than before. Is that's awesome. I love yeah. that energy transactional. That's a great term. <laughs> yeah. Um, I get what you're saying as well. So the so the Hartman and I Love You Man podcast, they're related yeah. things or. Yeah, so there's a movie called I Love You Man. So I thought it was probably not good to call my project that. Just in case, like, I, I, I checked, it's not trademarked, or I probably shouldn't say it's not yeah, trademarked. It's not trademarked or anything like that. So I knew I wasn't like infringing on their stuff. But um, yeah, so I, I came out with a podcast name first. Um, and then 
I wanted it to sort of live somewhere, and that's where I came with Hartman. So it was like this idea. So that's for those who can't, who think I was saying like uh, in the US, people thought I was saying like hot men or hard, <laughs> like hard man. <laughs> so it's Hartman, H-E-A-R-T. Um, yeah, so that was this idea of someone, of a guy, especially around men who, who really want to live like through their heart. So following like through their work, like projects through their heart, through their relationships, engaging with their heart and um, finding that which is a vulnerable place to mm. be engaging with that. So also that, like being engaged with your vulnerability and, and being honest with yourself and the people around you. And, um, and yeah, so that, that's, that's why that's there. And maybe there'll be other things that'll live at Hartman in the future, not just the podcast. Yeah. So yeah, that's the idea. And what, what, what was the actual trigger for starting that? as well I mean was it some of your own personal journey or was mm-hmm. there uh, you know people in your life that helped you think about that uh, yeah I owe it a lot to the city of Portland <laughs> which attracts all the weirdos from uh, <laughs> the US and puts them all in one place and makes weird being normal and it's fantastic so um, you cannot be too, you cannot be too weird in Portland <laughs> yeah so and I think you know, in Australia, especially, we have, like, the tall poppy syndrome. Like, we don't want to stand out. But uh, in Portland, you don't have to worry about that because everyone kind of st- stands out in their own way. Everyone's working on, like, their own project or music or um, you know, sort of thing on the side. And that's why people move there. Like, you don't meet many people. It's one of those cities where you don't meet many people actually are from Portland. They're from different parts of the U.S. or the world. So I do owe it a lot to that because that sort of just got me thinking about life and the projects and things I want to do differently and sort of gave you permission yeah. to start thinking about these things that I really wanted to do that maybe I just sort of pushed away for years which was I've for years I've been wanting to work with like trying to work out how can I work with like adolescent teens because that was such a hard time in my life uh, how can I um, yeah how can I talk to other men about stuff um, around you know for me when I started exercising regularly that improved my confidence a lot in myself and just knowing that and maybe that's something else. So there was, there was other like sort of trigger points even from when I lived in Melbourne that were there. There's like, oh sorry, dot, like dot points, you know, like now I can go back, like Steve Jobs says and connect the dots and be like, oh yeah, I've actually always had an interest in this. Uh, but the difference in Portland was the pain was much stronger. So it's that case of, you know, we don't change things in our lives until the pain of change is less than the pain of staying the same, um, and that's what and that's what happened. I was in a new city. I was away from. I was telling you before about my friends. I just went away with this weekend. Who I've known, two of them I've known. They're older than me. They've known me since I was a baby. So, with them, I just have uh, years of rapport built. And now I was in a new city. I didn't know. Really, I didn't know anyone uh, before I moved to the city. I have a, do you have a cousin who lives there? Um, but I didn't know her much before I moved there. And she's female as well. And I was really missing that, that male friendship. I found that talking to women about um, sort of the deeper conversations I wanted to have was not an issue. But, uh, but I was, yeah, with like some of these women's spouses or with other guys I just met through sort of the entrepreneurial community there. Uh, I struggled like we would then just fall into safe topics for us which is like business and, and I, 
myself really missing that like talking about you know how am I feeling or what are you up to or like what are you what are you like really excited about right now but, uh, and just feeling that connected so maybe even not like talking you know like I don't know if you have this as like male friends that ability where you can just like hang out and the others like no there's no pressure to have to say anything or do anything you just just hang out with each other but there's like that nice connectedness from just being around each other mm. and I really miss really really miss that so that's where the topic started and that's why it's called I Love You Man because I was like how do how do I find that again um, you know you watch that movie I Love You Man at the end two guys tell each other that they love you they love they're like I love you and I was like I never told a man that I, that I love him I didn't even tell my dad that I love him anymore um and that was when it was kind of triggered that maybe it wasn't the other guys I was meeting that were like the problem or the reason that I wasn't making these male friends. Maybe it was something I was doing. Maybe I wasn't opening up as much as I thought I was with other men. Yeah. Uh, like I was, would feel more comfortable with a woman. So it really became like, how can I step into that discomfort and make it more comfortable? Yeah, and that's kind of where that answered the question. Yeah. Yeah. And you, I mean, you've done it in quite a uh, intense way through a podcast as well. Yeah. Like that's <laughs> that's certainly stepping into the discomfort and inviting others to join you in it yeah. as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, that was part of it. Like once I worked out that, hang on, this is, you know, as I started to talk about this idea I have for this project and hearing, and I've been wanting to start a podcast. I had been talking a lot about starting a podcast for trainers, and uh, and my friend, I was like, oh, we have really good conversations. You should you should come on my podcast. Even though you're not a trainer, you, you know the industry, and you should come on my podcast with me. And she said to me, she said, I'll come on your podcast as long as it's not for trainers, because she knew she's a coach, so she knew like that that there was something. There's a part of me that wanted something more, and that the podcast was me just sort of looking for that. Yeah, and so that really that was a big prompt as well to start looking well what else am I interested in talking about and when I realised that I had trouble talking to men about being vulnerable um, and that a lot of the reasons I was not so this is this is like idea around going first so as men we hate we don't like going first um, in fact giving someone uh, and I'm going to totally rip off John Acuff he said this to me but giving someone the ability to go second is like a huge thing like giving someone that comfortability where you go first and be vulnerable you go first and do that thing and then they now feel safe safer because you've already gone first so that was kind of the idea of the podcast I was like what if we went first in a very public way where guys who are listening to this show um and in, in a way, yeah, we're going for And then we're giving them permission to go second, whether that's, like, with their friends or um, replying back to us or um, maybe just themselves, like, then giving themselves permission to, to show up in a different way or start reading different things or listening to other things. So that, that was why the public aspect of it was so important. Mm. 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 Yeah, that's great. Mm. Going first in a very public way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just got a couple of questions as we start to wrap up. I mean, what's something you think about disrupting in the future? 
this podcast is called Subtle Disruptors. So what's something you daydream about or fantasize about one day being involved with disrupting? Yeah, there's probably two answers. Like I think once, and I would still be interested in being this, and I feel like I'm already doing this, but disrupting the fitness industry in um, the stuff I try and teach other trainers. I try, it's hard, but I try, because it's easy to get sucked into like the latest little tactic you can do with your marketing. But trying to teach them that building a community is so much more important than building a business. Mm. Not just financially, because it will give financial rewards, but also just emotionally. Um, the satisfaction we get out of building a community and how much people need communities these days. Uh, I was talking to a friend the other day about, I'd read an article where, you know, when, when I was growing up, families would move around and um, like move houses, their families got bigger and if you moved into a court, like one of those you know, streets with a round bit at the end, uh, you, you would move there be- for the community because that court would probably have like Christmas, New Year's, like they'd come out and they would interact with each other. And I read this article that said streets, like straight streets now actually have better community than courts and people don't do that anymore. Kids aren't out in the court anymore doing that. So we're, we're missing that community and then as kids we're not even learning about the importance of community. So providing that for adults in the form of like a fitness community. I mean, look at CrossFit, like they were community focused and they've exploded because people, people were craving that. Um, so that's what I, I maybe would have once said. And yeah, that's what interests me, like working on that, disrupting that, disrupting the fitness, getting away from all the, what do you, what the appearance focus of the fitness industry and is like the, more the achievement or the community focus. Yeah. And, uh, but I'd also love to really disrupt um, boys as they're going through adolescence and just the, the way they think um, and, and showing them a different different way of being and showing up. So I don't know what that looks like, whether that's like speaking or like programs or um, I always felt like I didn't really fit in at school because I wasn't really one thing. Uh, so I couldn't really attach to that one thing, whether that was sport or music or um, maths. Like I did, I did a little bit of everything. <laughs> and uh, so it'd be really interesting to to disrupt that way of thinking that you you have to you have to be one thing, and that you could have a whole like whole you're a multifaceted human being. Um, so yeah, disrupting that that process and, and teaching also the boys that age emotional intelligence and, and relationship skills because as boys uh, we don't, it's not encouraged for us to, to talk about that stuff we um, feel like it's hard, it's definitely hard for girls as well but I feel like girls tend to have good friends who they feel like they can sort of test out ways of speaking and um and emotions and, and working through their emotions and stuff like that. Whereas boys, like, pretty much shut down. It's like, harden up. Uh, be a man. <laughs> like, I mean, look at that comment. Yeah. So, and that's around that age that that starts coming out, especially, like, in the sporting field. But even, like, I did a lot of theatre, which was, it was more accepted, but, um, yeah, there's definitely still an aspect where men really are encouraged to cling to their masculinity in a, in a not a healthy way 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So we pretty much learn like anger, <laughs> like anger, like everything turns into anger. <laughs> and we just don't know, you know, rather than being like, oh, I feel sad. And that being okay that I feel sad right now. Um, or I feel scared. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that would be a great thing to disrupt. And I feel like it's happening mm. a little bit mm. already. I think boys, like I look at the younger generation, I talk to some of the younger generation and um, so I'm like I'm old here, but like, you know, I'm 28 and guys in like their 20s and they're already thinking differently. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, it'd be, it'd be great to be a part of that. Yeah. I'm imagining um, it's, it's some of what you're saying there seems to be some of what you experienced in Portland as well, you know, about having the freedom to be curious and explore a whole lot of things and just be who you are and that being a totally accepted thing in Portland yeah. would be pretty amazing if a high school could have yeah, that kind yeah. of culture yeah. as well where yeah you were allowed to just explore any aspect of who you were and you weren't ridiculed for it and uh-huh. you, were, you were kind of celebrated for uh-huh. being that curious yeah yeah and, I, and uh, you know some people have the opinion oh that's, that's just high like that's just high school that's something we have to go through it's something we have to work out and I, I think that's just utter bullshit yeah. Like we don't, um, and if everyone benefits from, from us becoming, like, from us being able to explore that, uh, like a high school like that would be way more fun for the students to be at. Hmm. Than the inter schools <laughs> mightn't be as high, but they'd be amazing people. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right, and that's what we need. We don't need high. We don't need people with high inter scores. I got a high inter score. It, I don't use it. Like you know, I've completely moved away from that. We need yeah. people who are like problem solvers we need people who are finding uh, things they enjoy because they're going to work harder at that and they're going to be more passionate they're going to learn more about that yeah um, th- those are the kind of people we need in the world yeah uh, yeah and finally um, what's what's something small or subtle that you did in your own life that might be useful for other people to hear about but what's a small thing that you did that sort of started you on this path or continues you on this path that you're on at the moment good question nothing spring oh one thing's one thing's bringing to mind but I feel like it's so overused the moment that I don't want to say it (laughs) and it's like it's meditation like when I started um, getting into that which there was obviously a whole bunch of stuff that happened before I even would accept the idea of meditating yeah um, that I guess what that showed me was um, that I could be a calm person whereas I was always sort of high strung anxious uh, things didn't go to plan you know I'd be like planning my day out in advance and if something went wrong even like today like I forgot I had this in my diary but we'd come back from the weekend and I forgot I had this and I'd already planned out my day and it was just like and I saw that there was that potential trigger to um to just like lose it and instead being like oh that's alright that's the work I just do things a little bit differently so, so that's what meditation taught me was that um, that I, I could actually I could be a calmer person yeah. because I not because I didn't have that anxiety still but because I then meditation had me create a space to, to to identify it and see it for what it was and and then um manage it or feel it or whatever I need to do and then I want to follow that because I actually don't meditate at the moment uh, and 
and that's that's like okay as well so that so that's what i kind of wanted to like it, it can be it's very useful and i no doubt there'll be times in my life i'll be interested in meditating again and i'll do it um at the moment i just sort of try and be more mindful especially around my emotions and um my, you know emotions and relationships really interest me so be very mindful about what are my intentions what intention even am I bringing today to this interview and that one just that just gets you to show up a bit differently yeah um, yes <laughs> I'd say like that's a very subtle thing that you can start with even five minutes yeah and that that will have enough of a difference I guess what that gives you is a big difference to realize that you have a, a ton more choice in your life than you realize because when you can start meditation creates that space people talk about creating that space between like the thing that happens and the reaction and most of my life I was living just like thing happens reaction straight away mm. um, or I'd be proactive to stop that thing from happening in the first place but that still wasn't really solving the problem because then if the thing still happened which you know life still throws the hard things at you uh, whereas meditation taught me that hang on when something happens in my life I actually have a choice I'm not just this isn't just my personality like if I don't want to react to this thing in anger or I don't want to react to this thing with like a meltdown or I don't want to react to this thing with fear like I have a choice to then identify that emotion and and then choose how like what what, what do I want to happen next yeah. it doesn't have to be the thing that I'm like it's like pulling at me to do next I can choose something else yeah yeah man awesome I think that's a great tip <laughs> thanks Carl no worries, man. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Subtle Disruptors. I hope you got something out of it. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the show, including any suggestions you have for guests. You can get me on email through adam at subtledisruptors.com. And if you enjoyed listening and would like to be part of getting the word out about the Subtle Disruptors of Melbourne, a great way to do this is through jumping into iTunes and rating and reviewing this podcast. I'm Adam Murray. And I look forward to hearing about your own subtle disruption. Bye for now.